You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is the Chuvas of Poiskamashir. I'm sorry that we didn't send out our blurb as usual. Uh, I want to thank Mark for uh, being extremely pliant and adept at um, uh, circulating. I know last week it was Zoom. This week it's go to meeting. Hopefully we'll get the right one that's the best for everybody. And hopefully this won't last that long. Um, And maybe even when uh, we come back, uh, perhaps we'll still have Zoom and and go to meeting so we can have even a bigger audience. Of course, as I said before, all the shiurim uh, that we've been uh, promoting have been uh, are available on the Shiva's podcast site. So please tell your friends about it as well, or if you miss it. Um, Today, it's hard not to talk about something uh, that's relevant to uh, the corona issues and how that's going to affect us for Pesach. So I want to I want to just deal with a couple of things that rabbis have asked me. I am back over here, by the way. Sorry, I was just finishing my shul's uh, my shul's uh, learning online. All right, Mark, you're a busy bee, a hundred percent. Okay, so I want to start with a question that a rabbi has been talking to me about. A rabbi in Chicago. Uh, who is uh, a pretty impressive rabbi. He's actually become not only a rabbi of the young Israel of Skokie, he's also a Dayan and, uh, in, in Chicago, and he's, he's, he is part of the, uh, uh, the uh, Halachak hotline uh, in a number of different forums. Um, a lot of questions that, that he deals with, uh, he deals with a massive amount of questions every day. And he's been dealing with the issue of what's going to happen with Kriya Satoru. Uh, what's going to happen with the fact that here we are in our uh, uh, secluded situation and we cannot read the Torah? We are uh, being told uh, halakhically we shouldn't go and read the Torah uh, in a public manner. What happened? We know there's a takana for the Torah to be read. It's it's as ancient as Moshe Rabbeinu. And then it was added to by Ezra Sofer. Right when the Jewish people came into Eretz Yisrael for the Second Commonwealth period, so we've been talking about something that is is one of the most important bulwarks of of Jewish life, which is what's the parsha, the Torah reading. You have to go hear Kriyos Torah. What's going to happen to all the Kriyot that we've missing? Now, there's a there's a side question, which is what should you do in terms of on Shabbat, or when there's a special parsha to read, and you're not able to get the shul, and there is, should you be reading it yourself? And here, most, obviously, there's nothing wrong with learning Torah. Um, Postcom have said that if you have a sacred Torah in your house, <clears throat> you should probably take it out and read it, even though there isn't a public around you. But let's assume uh, that you don't have a sacred Torah. <clears throat> you do your best, you study the parsha. You read it, but should you be making? Should we be making a list? Should the Jewish people be making a list about the parshas we're missing? And then let's say, you know, Trump is. We know he's wrong, but let's say somehow they're going to they're going to come up with a cure, and somehow they're going to open up things, and the shutdown is gone. We've missed four parshiot. Are we going to make them up? Are we going to have like the next Shabbat? Then we're back. We're going to be reading like five, uh, uh, like a like like a five parshiot. Is that what's going to is that what's going to happen? 
That was a question that a friend of a rabbi friend of mine is working on. And I have to tell you that it is an interesting question. Uh, in Shulchan Aruch, here's the Shulchan Aruch, the source uh, in Shulchan Aruch. Uh, this is in Hilchas Kriyas Hatara, Simon Kuflamid Hay. It says, Im bitlu Shabbos Achat, Kriyata Parsha Bitsibur. If there was one week. Im bitlu Shabbos Achat, Kriyata Parsha Bitsibur. Oh, there, there I am. There's a nice echo. Im bitlu Shabbat Achat, Kriyata Parsha Bitsibur. So I, I think I need to ask everyone to please mute your mic. If you if you have a question, if you have a question, you could put it here in the chat. You can ask your questions here. Where's the chat? Um, I I don't know how it appears on your, uh, but there's like a like a a, a, a word balloon uh, on, on your computer or on your phone. That word balloon. On the, on the upper right hand corner, I think, if, if you're on a computer, uh, in the upper right hand corner, there's a few different icons. You'll see one. I got, it. I got it. Thank you. I got it. Sure. Okay. Very okay. good. So if, if you want, you can always just, and, and I will see that. I will see that. Um, and again, I don't know how to mute people, but let's just try uh, to respect each other and not talk over each other. So again, what does it say in Shulchan Aruch? It says in Shulchan Aruch that if you miss a Shabbos, if you miss a Shabbos, so what do you do? Uh, you should read that parsha the next Shabbos. Okay. Now, so it would seem that maybe <laughs> let's make a list. It's not so simple. Um, first of all, um, the Vilna Gon, uh, uh, This was this is a from the Ramah. The source of the Ramah is one of the Rishonim, the Orzarua, Rabbi Yitzchak of Vin. I can show you the source uh, inside, but I think just for just to move things along, I will tell you that uh, the idea behind this of catching up next week, the Vilna Gon says, is based on the idea that we have of making up a davening that you missed. In other words, we know the halacha is that if you miss, uh, for a good reason, you miss davening mincha, or you miss davening shachras today, let's say, that you at mincha time, you will daven two shmon esres. That's called hashlama. Now, uh, if the Vilna Gon is correct, that that is, and, and here you can see, uh, I'm pointing to the, the words in the, in, in, on, on the text. Ayin v'bir agro shalama din zeh midin tashlumei The idea that you miss a, a, a reading of the parsha, that you make it up the next week, the, that idea, although it's not mentioned in the Talmud, is borrowed from the Talmudic idea of making up davening at the next davening. Okay, so the same way, right? So therefore, it's now bound by those rules, if the Vilna Gon is correct. What are the rules of making up another davening? The rules of making up another davening are, you can only make up one. <laughs> if you miss, you can only make up the last one. If you miss two davenings in a row, if you miss Mariv, uh, and then you miss Shachris, it was for a good reason. The reason why you missed them was because you were busy in the emergency room, you're a doctor, whatever's going on. 
Now you finally get a break to daven mincha. The halacha is you don't daven too. You daven from the last one. So therefore, it would seem, based on this idea, if, the, if that is the parallel, then the most you're going to be able to make up is one. If that's the idea. So therefore, we've already missed in, 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 in many communities, in Bergenfield, I know they've already missed two. In Elizabeth, we've already we've missed one, and this week ought to be two, right? So in many communities, there's already, there's already we're already missing our second one, and this is the third one that's coming up. So therefore, there might it might not, the, the idea of making it up is would probably, according to this, would not be correct. You don't even have to make up the last one. You wouldn't be making up all the ones that you missed. Right? So that's in terms of of that. There's also a question of the, the when do you need to make it up? In other words, it's possible. The only reason you have to make up a, a, a Kriya is because the Jewish people were reading this and you missed it. Why did you miss it? I don't know. You had a good reason. But if there was no Kriya, if basically the Takana was that we are canceling Kriya Satora, then there there is no Kriya Satora anywhere. If there's no Kriya Satora anywhere, then it's possible the idea of making up isn't even relevant. Okay? Now, <laughs> in other words, why do you make up? You make up because you are part of the Tzibor and you missed out. Now, hopefully you can find some people or, or let's say a shul in one community, which is what the postcom are talking about. There's, you have a community in Europe where every, you have three shuls. And in one of the shuls, something happened that they weren't able to read the Torah. So therefore, they missed out on what was happening in their community. Okay, so they need to make it up in their shul next week. But if there, if in, if in your community no shuls were reading the Torah, then it's possible you don't have to make up anything. And this really is, is dependent on what is the whole takon of Kriya Satora in the first place. And this is a, a famous debate in the Rishonim and in the Achronim. Uh, there were two famous in-laws that argued about this um, uh, up in the beginning of the 20th century. One of them was Rav Chaim uh, and We've talked about him often. And his, his in-law, meaning his son's father-in-law. Uh, his son Moshe, Chaim's older son Moshe, married a girl called Pesia, Pesia Feinstein. That was uh, Rav Salavechik from Boston's mom. So that was Rav Chaim's daughter. Pesh, that was uh, Rav, uh, Rav Feinstein's daughter. Uh, she, her name was Pesya Feinstein, and her father was Eliyahu Feinstein. But he, in the yeshiva world, he's not called Eliyahu Feinstein. He's called Rav Elia Prajaner. Rav Elia Prajaner. So Rav Elia Prajaner's daughter married a, a, a Salavechik. And Elia Prajaner was very close to his son-in-law, Moshe, Salavechik. In fact, Moshe Salavechik ended up taking over his rabbinical position in, in, in Chaslovich after Leo Prajaner moved on. 
And that is where Chaslovich was the little Hasidic town that little Yosef Dov was born in, was lived in. I'm not sure if he was born there, but that's where a lot of his formative experiences, uh, which he always refers to, were. So anyway, Rebellia Perjaner told his uh, son-in-law, he says, I disagree with your father about this. Your father believes the idea of Kriya Satora is, uh, is, is something every individual needs to do. Every individual needs to hear the Torah reading. But he can't fulfill that unless he happens to have a tzibur with him. Think about this again. It's a chiyav on the yachid, but it can only be fulfilled if a tzibur is around. You need to have the tzibur to, for everyone to fulfill their individual chiyuv. We talked about this, and it's on the uh, podcast site. You can hear the recording when it comes to the reading of the Megillah. Is reading the Megillah a mitzvah on the tzibur, or it's a mitzvah that should be done by tzibur, but it's really a mitzvah the yachid? I'm getting a note here. Let me see what it says. I'm going to answer that question. David Ellis, I'll get to that question in a second, David. Um, so, once again, so if uh, if the mitzvah of Kriya Satora is a mitzvah on each yachid, so then one could say, hmm, I guess even though nobody in, in the Sebra was doing it, I still have the responsibility. Okay. Uh, the difference was Chaim, Rav Chaim Brisker was once traveling on the train, and even though he needed to get to the spot for some rabbinic meeting, he arranged that he was going to make a stop on the way because by the time he would get to that city, wherever he was going, by the time he would get to that city, the uh, it would be too late. So he made a special stop. He made sure to make a special stop in some town. I forgot which town it was. And he went to a shul, and they tried to get 10 people for him to read the Torah. Because in order to catch the train, he had to leave so early in the morning that he missed Kriya Torah that morning. And he wouldn't arrive at where he was supposed to until it was already in the evening. He arranged to be able to stop in the middle of the day, running around looking for a shul, in order to be able to read the Torah. Which means Chaim Salvechik felt that I don't care what's going on in the rest of the world. I have an individual chiv to read the Torah. So even though the rest of the community was reading the Torah, and there were plenty of shuls in Brisk or wherever he left from were reading the Torah, he felt the onus of reading the Torah upon himself. And he says, I've got to make that up. Now, it's true. I can't just go to a shul and take out a Sefer Torah. I need to have a minion with me. But that's my individual chiv. That was the way Rav Chaim looked at things. Revelia Perjaner, and I think this is, to me, a little more logical, Ravelia Prajaner says no. <laughs> he said, it's, it's a chiyav on the tzibur. It's not a chiyav on every yochid. Join, of course. God wants you, Moshe, Ezra, they'd want you to join. But if the tzibur has read in your community, then you're fine. You should join them, be part of the tzibur. But you don't have to read the, you don't have to hear the Torah reading. The Torah reading's being done there, that's good enough. And therefore, the way he looked at things, the individual doesn't really need, to, doesn't have that responsibility at all. So according to Relia Prajaner, we have canceled, <laughs> there is no, it's a din in the tzibor, it's not a din in the yachid, and the tzibor has canceled, and there's definitely no chiv, therefore, of Kriya Satora at all. That would be according to Relia Prajaner. 
according to Rav Chaim Brisker, there would be an individual chiv. However, the question is, which, how many times do you have to miss that you start have to think about making it up? Right? There's also a question about, and again, we're getting into other details, why, was it canceled maliciously or was it canceled on purpose? Was it canceled because of an, of an ones? So these, I think, I'll maybe work on this a little bit longer, but this is where I think the direction is about how to view this question, about what are we going to do with the Kriya Satoras that, that, that we've missed. Okay? Um, David Ellis asked the question, uh, what about if in your town some rogues decided that they aren't listening to what's going on and there was a Kriya Satora? So this is a, in other words, some rogues decided they were making their own minion. They had to say for Torah, and they read the Torah. Does that mean that there was Kriya Torah in your town? Uh, and, and you don't even have to worry about it. In other words, even if, even if, right, okay. Uh, I think so. I have somebody here is asking another question. Um, <laughs> yes, Leon, I would, I, 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 I would say that a rogue minion probably does not count as a Tzibor. Uh, I heard a psak from a Herschel Schechter, and by the way, there's a lot of interesting psak from a Herschel Schechter on these issues, uh, which I can share with you, which is, has to do with our next topic. But uh, I, I, I think a rogue minion doesn't even, even if there wouldn't be a gzeir against them, doesn't count as a tzibur. There's, there, there, are, there are things which define a tzibur, uh, and part of it is uh, interconnectedness, the fact that who you ask the questions to, uh, the, 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 the Tzedakah collection. There are things which, which, which create a tzibur, uh, of, of who takes care of things in the city. Part of halachas of the city is to have a shul, to have a mikvah. That's part of what a tzibur's chiyuv is. It could be a small tzibur, but if it's just a bunch of ragtag people who decide one week they're getting together, I don't believe that has a shame of a tzibur. Secondly, Rav Shechter Paskind that if people do do that, then they, their brachas are not brachas, their davening is not davening. It's called botzei berach na'etzas Hashem. If somebody, if someone goes against not only the health authorities, but the, the, the rabbonim, who are saying to listen to the health authorities, then that's not called, a, those brachas aren't brachas, their laning doesn't count. The dvarm should be, if you happen to hear their amens, it's also to answer amen to what's going on in these type of minyanim, according to Rav Shechter. And I have to, I, again, who am I? I'm nobody, but I, but I agree with him as far as that goes. Otherwise, uh, it's anarchy. But I think even halachically it's correct. It isn't just for practical reasons. Okay? So that's topic number one about what do we do with the Kriyas that we're missing. Now let's talk about uh, a thing which I think is going to happen a lot. And I think there might be even people listening that this is going to happen to. Uh, you're making a Seder and you're all by yourself. You're a one-man Seder, a one-person Seder. Obviously, you have to eat matzah and with maror, and you should drink four cups. But how is the Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim done? Okay? So, uh, on this, I'd like to share with you, um, let's see, uh, um, uh, something from the Talmud itself. So let's see. 
Okay, let's see if I can pull that up. So again, this is a very nice... I'd like to say also um, many of the websites that usually had firewalls that you had to pay for, during this period, they're allowing a lot of stuff for free. This is one of the ones that I, you know, I'm a big fan of. It's called Shifty. And they have all these sugyas uh, collected here. And I'm going to read to you a little bit of the Talmud uh, from their edition. And I hope everybody can see it okay. This is from Psachim Kuf Tezayan. I'll try to make it a little bit bigger. Everybody can see all right. Here we go. So here is the Gemarim Psachim and Dav Kuf Rabbi, can I make a technical suggestion? Yes. For everybody to see, if you're on PC, um, there you may not see what the rabbi is presenting is very big. It may only be the bottom half of your screen, but there's actually a gray bar that crosses across your screen. If you click on that gray bar and, and hold it and bring it upwards, it makes all the photos of everybody much smaller, but it makes what the rabbi is presenting much bigger. And I know it's, it's much, much easier to read like this. So if you uh, haven't tried that, give that a shot. Thank, thank also you, Mark. Also on that bar, you just click view who's talking, and you can change it. Okay, thank you. Thanks a lot. I hope this site is – well, again, look, uh, if Zoom is better and I can get a Zoom uh, account that allows more people in it, then uh, we'll go to Zoom. Um, and you tell me. Yeah, but if you, Rabbi, Rabbi, you shouldn't pay for it all. We should all chip in and, uh, and, and pay <laughs> together. All right. But again, we'll be in touch about that later. Today we're using GoToMeeting, and, and we'll see how it goes. Let's take a look here in, in, in the Mishnah. The Mishnah, this is the Mishnah about asking the four questions. Okay? And here you can see the Mishnah says, Kana ben Shoel, after that second cup is poured, the son asks the question. Vim ein das beben, the Mishnah goes on, oviv melamdo. Okay. So the Mishnah is telling us, we want a question. If there isn't a question, the father teaches his son to ask a question. That's what the Mishnah seems to be telling us. That now you wonder what does that mean? If if the son are we talking about a two year old? What are we talking about here? We're talking about or we're talking about someone who doesn't is not interested, he's a little bit feeble minded, as they used to say. Is that what's going on? Um, the Mishnah seems to say that if I can get a parrot to talk, not a parrot, but a human being to parrot me, or I should, that is considered a question. The Talmud, the Mishnah seems to be saying to us that it's crucial to have somebody ask you something. So this is what I'm going to be uh, focusing in on for a couple of minutes here. What is, if I'm alone, who's asking me the question? If I'm sitting here by myself, and I have to be by myself, is there, what about being questioned? Is, is, how crucial is, you can, now, so let's take a look. The Mishnah says that the son should be taught by the father to ask. And these are the questions that are asked. And we all know them. I'm not going to go through all of them. 
But I am going to suggest to you right now <laughs> So I, I'm gonna I, I'm going to suggest I'm gonna suggest right now that the Mishnah is telling us that it's crucial to have this format of questioning. Uh, and if the question can be spontaneous, you don't need it. In other words, the Mishnah says, Khan ben Shoel, you should have been doing enough to get your son a- asking questions. Because a bunch of wine was drank, we're not eating. The son should be asking a load of questions. If the son doesn't have the das to see what's going on, give him these canned questions. Meaning the manishtana are questions that are the default questions for your son. You don't need your child to ask you manishtana the way I understand this Mishnah, which is, I think, the way the Rashbam understands the Mishnah. The Mishnah is really telling you that if you don't have the spontaneous really authentic way of what should be done. The one that the Torah says, Ki bin your son is going to ask you, what's going on, dad? What's happening tonight? Uh, explain it to me. You should be able to create an ambiance that brings out a spontaneous question. If you, if, if your son hasn't picked up on that, and then maybe we could add, if you haven't done the right thing to create that ambiance, so now the Mishnah presents to you what we think is a pretty good questions that need that should be asked. But these questions are not essential if the questions are if it's spontaneous. That that is an interpretation of the Mishnah I want to suggest to you. Now let's go on to the Gemara. The Gemara quotes a Brisa here. The Brisa is a cousin of the Mishnah. Let's see what it says. Chacham b'no sholo, which is interesting. <laughs> the question should probably be asked by a kid who's picking up on things. In other words, it almost sounds like if a person has a number of children, not everyone should ask the Manishtana. In fact, it should be the Chacham who asks. Chacham b'no sholo. And if he's not a Chacham, Ishto Shoalto. Now, this means that even though the son, and I guess the son is not able to be involved, but your wife should ask you. Now, Vimlav, this is what I'm centering in in Corona time. A man is, is away from his wife, away from his children. He doesn't have a wife or children. He usually eats by someone else. Im lav, hu You ask yourself the question. So that seems to say, according to this brisa, that a person by himself asks himself the questions, even though he knows the answer. Now, this is a weird thing. The Mishnah seemed to say the idea of a question is, 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 is a question. I want to know. Please explain things to me. But this is a bit of play acting that seems ridiculous, doesn't it? You ask yourself. Why does it say ask yourself? Just tell the story. All right? What do you need to ask yourself for? Imlav, show el 
In fact, the next case says, Afil Shnei Tamida Chachamim Sheyodin Vilchos HaPesach, Sholin Zelizem Manishtana. Let's see, if two equals, you have Reb Moshe and Reb Yaakov, you have Reb Chaim Brisker and Reb Elia Perjaner, <laughs> you have two great men who both know the story probably just as good. So it says that each one takes a turn asking. Sholin <laughs> doesn't say, doesn't say Zemize. Each one puts on the, the asking hat. Sholin <laughs> Zelize. Now, this is not necessarily relevant to the corona at all. This is, uh, but but it, but but it, but it, but it puts into perspective what we're talking about. Sholin zelaze. It needs to be in the form of a question, right? It's like Jeopardy, right? You don't get the points unless you ask in the form of a question. Sholin zelaze. Okay. Sholin zelaze. Each one has to ask each other. What is a question if I know the answer? What is gained by actually putting it in the in the form of a question? Why can't I just I'm sitting here by myself and just talk? Why do I need to ask? And it could be that again, and I think this is really uh, and unfortunately there are people that are going to be in this situation uh, this year. So I think it's worthwhile talking about. Um, I, I want to suggest two things to you. Um, and it's, uh, it, it starts with, let me put it up on the board. Um, this is from the, um, let's see. This is from the Chuba of the Rosh. Uh, this is a very short Chuba. Uh, but it is a, let's see, seems to, okay. I'm going to put it, it's in my inbox. I, okay. Um, here we go. Um, here it is. Okay, here's the Chuvas Harosh. I apologize for the old fashioned. This was the this was the only free one I could find yesterday. Um, and here we go. You can see it. The rush was asked, and here you can see what it means short and to the point. This was this was ostensibly the Godo Ador and Psak. The Rosh had moved from uh, Germany to Spain, and he became the leading posik of his time. Here was his psokim, and this is a very short question and answer. You can see here in the Rashi script where the cursor is. Very famous question. Why do we not make a bracha on the Haggadah of Pesach? So that's the question. Why isn't there a bracha? Let's see what the Rosh's answer is. If you think about it, there's a lot of mitzvahs in our life that have to do with Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And yet we do not make a bracha based on them. Kigon, hafrashos habachorot. 
<laughs> Let's say you have a firstborn animal and you separate it to give it to the Kohen. You don't say a special story about why you're doing it. There might be a bracha, asher k'nisham savetzivonu lahafrishes habachor, or al hafrishes habachoros, but you don't tell a story when you do it. <laughs> you, you, you say, this is my, this firstborn, I'm saving it for the Kohen, and that's it. You don't necessarily have a, a discussion about the event. And the truth is, the Kola Moadim, Saint Sarakla Haskir, also, when it comes to all the holidays, which are also based on Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, you don't need to describe Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, you don't need to do any special long description of anything. We know we do it, Shanu Osen Zecher with Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So why isn't there? So the Rosh asks, he answers a question with a question. He says, you're going to ask me why you don't make a bracha on Sipri Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. I'm going to ask you, why isn't there a Sipri Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim much more often? Why isn't there a discussion about the story of leaving Mitzrayim, what it's all about, when you when you set your bachora apart, when you celebrate Sukkot as well? Why aren't you talking about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim then? What God wants is the action. And hopefully you're a learned person and, you, and you, you've done your research. And therefore, when you do the action, the action itself gets you to remember or understand what it is that's going on. The action should cause a lot of synapses to go off in your brain about why you're doing it and memories and things and, and, and you don't need to actually articulate anything. Do this action. This action will cause the ideas to percolate in your brain. And you don't actually need to say anything. <laughs> you don't actually need to speak with your mouth. Wow. So basically what the Rush is saying is that the reason why you don't make a brach on this is because you don't really have to do it. You don't really need to describe, again, what are you doing? You're making a brach on Sipri Tzias Mitzrayim? You don't need to do that. <laughs> you don't need to actually tell the story. You can eat the matzah, eat the morar, and hopefully, just like when you set off the bachor, your mind is racing about it. That's all you need to do. Do your learning in advance to know what it is, why you're doing stuff. But there really is no specific mitzvah, according to the Rosh, to describe why you're doing the things you're doing. Wow. <laughs> I have to tell you that one of the great Italian rabbis of the 18th, late 18th century says he can't believe the Rush wrote this. I've talked about the, the phony Rush before, the Msumim Rush. But he says, I know it's in all the printings, but this is this seems to go against everything to say, right? Okay. But that's what that's the Rush's answer to that question. Why don't you make a brach on Sipriyat Mitzrayim? Because there really is no mitzvah independent for you to do it. However, the Rush says, Ella im yish. Now look at this word here, the way it was printed. There's a mistake here. The Rash is added. 
im yishal. It shouldn't be im yisrael. <laughs> but but when the rush wrote it, the guy who was writing it over put the rash in there. But the rash is a mistake. Im yishal mifarshin lo. If you ask, if a, if, a, if a question gets asked, then you need to explain to the person. So the rush says there's actually two mitzvahs uh, on the night of Pesach. One mitzvah is the mitzvah of doing the mitzvah, is doing the mitzvahs that are reminding you of the story, etc. There's another uh, mitzvah here, which is if you're asked a question, you need to explain to the person. So it sounds from this rush, and this is not my own uh, take on it. This was actually uh, this, this was actually done by uh, a, a, a very important rabbi, European rabbi who made Aliyah at the beginning of the 20th century, Rabbi Yerucham Fischel Perlau. Rabbi Yerucham Fischel Perlau, and I'll, I'll show you where he says this. He takes this rush, and from this rush he says the following. Um, I'm going to switch to that here. And let's see if I can find it. It's um, page 13 on this sheet. There. Oh, here's a better version of the rush. I should have shown you that. <laughs> Here we go. Um, okay. One of the reasons uh, now, what uh, Perlau wrote a book. I hope everybody can see it well. I'm going to make it a little bit larger for you. Um, gold plus. Okay. One of the the questions that Perlow had, Perlow wrote one of the longest books, uh, longest rabbinic books uh, in the early part of the 20th century. It's really, he just goes on and on and on. Um, and it's a hard book to read if you don't have a lot of patience. Uh, a lot of people have told me, though, it was one of their favorite books when they were growing up. Um, um, a, a number of Rabbanim and Rosh Hashivas told me they don't read it anymore when they're older, but they read it a lot when they were younger. And that is the commentary of Rav Perlow on Rav Sadyagon's poem. Rav Sadyagon wrote a poem with all the Taryag mitzvos, which you can read in about five or six pages. And Perlow wrote three volumes that have about 2,000 pages or more of, of, of commentary on this eight-page poem. So that is the, that is the, it's called the Parish of Rabbi Rucham Perlow on Sadyagon. So anyway, here's one of, here's a little bit of a nugget from that. Perlow was wondering why is it that so many Rishonim also, do not quote this as a mitzvah. For example, we talked about the Bahag Hanukkah time. You might remember the Hilchos Gedolot. He counts Hanukkah as a mitzvah. Remember? He counts lighting the Hanukkah lights as a mitzvah, but he does not have a mitzvah of saying the Seder. He doesn't have a mitzvah of, of Sipritzias Mitzrayim. He says, I see that Sadyagon does not count Sipritzias Mitzrayim. Um, and the Bahag also doesn't count it. And Gabiro does not count it. Uh, the, the one who wrote Keser Malchus. Um, there's a whole slew of early 
and, and high middle age rabbis who were putting mitzvahs together and did not have the mitzvah of 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 of, of saying the seder of of, of describing the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim as a mitzvah. Why? So he says, Perlel, using our rush, he says, maybe it's possible to say, based on this rush that we just read. And that means, Dileka mitzvah spesipur yitzias mitzrayim. You see how I have the cursor here. Leka mitzvah spesipur yitzias mitzrayim. Elal pishelus haben. If you do not have a son who asks you questions, you don't have a mitzvah sipur yitzias mitzrayim. It's all mental. Umavur desfirule. According to the rush, even though we just read the Gemara that says, if you should ask yourself the question. That's only rabbinical. If you do not have a child wanting to understand something from you, then there is no mitzvah of Sipritzias Mitzrayim from the Torah. The most it is is a Durabanan. And even though we learned that the the Brisa says, ask yourself the question, that's because poor guy, you can't fulfill the mitzvah because you don't have a son with you. You don't have a child or possibly someone else who is there to be able to ask you. Now, um, and this that it says in the Mechilta that you're supposed to open up the mouth of uh, of the child who doesn't know how to ask, he says, "Ein ze'ela asmachta be'alma, That's only rabbinic. Um, so, based on what are we just reading now from the Rush and Rabbi Ruchon Fischel Perlau's interpretation, it would come out that if a person is by himself, yes, the Brisa says, "Ask yourself the question." But that's only a pale shadow of the mitzvah. It's only a rabbinic good idea to do, to sort of like almost next year, hopefully you'll have your children with you and you will be able to have someone there. I I guess let's say um, one last thing. What would be if a person um, isn't with his son, but he's with a complete stranger? So the stranger could be the son. Now it could be, the rush might think, the rush doesn't say it's your son asking. That's what Perlau explains the rush to me. You have to have your actual, there's something to do with a son and a father. I want to show you, um, if I may, what the Sefer Achinuch writes. The Sefer Achinuch writes here, he says, this that it says, he got it to live in Chalav Dafka Beno. Ella Afilu Imko, look at these words here. Afilu Imko Beria. Even with any any creature, look at that term here. It's so unusual. It doesn't say Afilu Imko Adam. It says Afilu Imko Beria. Right? You, right? You, with any, any being. So it sounds like, according to the Sefer Chinuch, which is not the opinion of the Rosh. The Sefer Chinuch seems to say, uh, again, that you it's not about being asked. 
as long as you could say it with any creature. Um, and that's why he says, Even if by yourself, if there's no people around, you need to say it. And by saying it, so this, of course, is the famous Sefer HaChinuch's uh, idea that physical actions change you. You can't just be an ascetic, uh, stoic, mental person. Physical actions are always crucial. But here it actually has halachic difference. Let, let, me explain the, let me explain myself again. Anyone who's around, even if, it's, if a person is stuck at home with his health care giver, and the healthcare giver is a non-Jew, and he's wearing a mask because the guy he's taking care of is ill and can't be seen, and they're practicing social distancing. But there's someone who's there with the mask, who's there, who comes in on the night of Pesach. The Jewish guy who's in the corona situation, who has to be isolated, but someone's walking in the room to somehow help him and make sure he's got enough food, whatever it is, you need to talk, you should speak to him. And you should say to him, hey, tonight's Pesach, this is our holiday, and tell him about what it's about. <laughs> and the reason is, is because if you keep it to yourself, the Rush didn't think it was that crucial. <laughs> the, Rush was, the Rush was a believer you could be a mental giant. You could actually have all of it playing in your head, and that's all. Eat the matzah, eat the marar, let it do its magic on you. The Sefer Chinuch felt that you need to actually talk to someone. You need to actually, now, it's true, you don't have to be asked. Because the, the, the worker who's coming in in his mask and, and stuff and dealing with you isn't, talk, isn't asking you. He's asking you, are you comfortable? Can I fix your, can I fix your pillow? Or whatever it is he's going to do. But you should speak to him. If he's the only person around, I don't know if you should speak to your dog, <laughs> but 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 you should speak to someone. And the reason is, is because by speaking, and you're speaking to yourself, you're going to think about it. It's going to mean more to you. The fact, look, you know, uh, I had my birthday yesterday. I had my Hebrew birthday yesterday. I turned 60. Happy birthday, Rabbi, right? So I had my Chi of Kares uh, uh, birthday. I have to say that because I... Because <laughs> Happy I, birthday. Thank you. Because I I, the, the CDC, of course, recommends you don't blow out your candles. <laughs> right. You don't want any... Right. Okay. I, I, that's not the way to do it. Um, uh, okay. Uh, right. So my point is, is that... Thanks, everybody. So my, my point is, is that I sat there like a fool, and said, like, I said to myself, I was sitting by my shtender in the other room, and I sat there, and I said, okay, you know, my wife is practicing, because you know, she, I went to get tested, and she's afraid to get close, she walks into my room with a mask and everything, um, but I said, happy birthday to myself, like an idiot, and I said, okay, happy birthday, it's your birthday, it's your father's yard site, that was last night, but I said it, but by saying it, it became more powerful. When you speak it out, I knew, of course, I was feeling it. But saying it means you're going to actually, it's going to mean something. So if you're stuck like this and you're all by yourself, 
you should speak it out. Say it. Don't think to yourself, this is silly. I'm all here by myself. No. The fact that you say it, the Sefer HaChinuch says, causes you to actually feel it. And that's what it's about. Feeling it is experiencing it. And then it's as difficult as your situation is, it's going to be different. So that's really a little bit of a, of a just a, a take on on this uh, this situation of shoel atzmo doesn't accomplish anything, according to the rosh. No, it's really a rabbinic. In fact, the chido I didn't quote it to you, but you can says even even in a more parav expression, he says it's a zecher, it's a zeros. But minatori, you need to be asked by someone who cares, and it should be your child. But if it's not your child, to be someone you have that relationship with. The Sefer Chinuch and others, I would uh, maybe the Rambam as well, feels that it's about talking. And even if there's no one else in the room, talking is important. Speaking means something. I want to end with, and this is not, uh, Rav Herschel Schechter and others have been asked about Shuddin's um, listening to a Seder. And Rav Schechter I would tell you to read his psaac properly, but my impression is that if a person uh, is is part of an extended family or his family, but he can't be there, Rav Shechter believed to turn on the phone before Pesach and allow the person to hear the Seder would be a proper thing for that person. Um, especially if the person is suffering from being alone. Something like that went out just now with Zoom. A bunch of rabbis are promoting it. I'm not going to say good or bad, but the same turn on beforehand with Zoom meetings. Never seen that before. Okay, so here, uh, Rav Schechter, okay. Um, so let's see. I got a question over here. I'll, I'll get to the questions in a minute, but I, I just want to point out that Rav Schechter was worried about using the Internet or Zoom and having it on because – because it, it cre- even if you're not recording it, he felt that it creates an image. And even though that image sort of dissipates, I'm not sure if if it really does. And therefore, he says it might be the malacha of ksiva. Again, in my case, I know this is something that's up your alley a little bit to figure out the um, the 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 technological halachic impact. Um, Rav Schechter was Rav Schechter was for David keeping the phone on. He says Rav Moshe Feinstein himself is misupic here about that, about the phone being on and listening to the phone, especially if somebody is in a situation uh, where uh, things are a little bit difficult for him, and if he's not able uh, to be part of a seder in that way, uh, at least he could be listening to it. Um, Etc. Um, David is uh... okay. So... I was thinking in all pre in olden times or older times, I should say, using a telephone wouldn't have left an image per se on a computer or on a chip somewhere or something like that. But now, as we have use VoIP, which is like how our voices are being carried right now. There could be our sound or image left in a computer buffer somewhere. Um, 
And so, so I could kind of see where someone would be saying something like that, assuming that I addressed that thought. Okay, so that's a good point. And again, this gets into another question. If you, you know, if the phone is being turned on and you are moving, again, the phone turning on, once it's on, Leon, even though the writing is occurring, it's not, is it writing more because of your talking? Maybe. Rav Schechter was worried about the movements that a person would have during the Seder would cause it to be considered like writing. And therefore, Rav Schechter was, uh, did not allow that. If Rav Abrigel says that, I, you know, uh, it's something I think that needs to be looked into. Um, and maybe that's, again, maybe, uh, you know, something that is crucial. I think the other thing um, uh, is that Rav Schechter said is that being alone uh, and, and a sense of loneliness can lead a person to a deep enough depression that you, especially if the person has had a diagnosis uh, in some ways, that it could lead to something called shiga'on. It could lead to something that's called um, mental imbalance. And mental imbalance, being in a state of being mental imbalance, even though it's only for a couple of hours, can scar you to the point where it's as, right. it's as bad as sakonis nefoshos. And that's, I think, something that needs to be, and again, you can talk to your private rabbi about that. But again, this is what we've been talking about just to, uh, to wrap up. Talking about missing the Kriya, missing people at the Seder, being by yourself. A little bit of a halachic discussion. I'm not really giving any psokim on this, but I hope it was worthwhile that we got together to do it and to give us something to think about in that area, okay? So I think we're going to wrap it up here. Let me just take a look. I'm going to just go on the chats and see what people are saying. Anybody um, else have able to wish uh, the, the rabbi happy birthday? Certainly a happy birthday, Admea Vesrim. Thanks a lot. That's going to be um, – I'm only halfway through. <laughs> I, I understand that. So you've got a long way to go. So you should have many healthy, happy more years. Thank you so much. Um, I see that uh, Leon is telling us that uh, – that, that Rabbi Lau disagrees. Again, you know, I, I think I will tell you one thing though, uh, and I'll end with this. A friend of mine saw Rabbi Schechter's psak about how crucial it was to be with people, and he went to a base medrash, and there were other people there in the base medrash with him, in a certain city in Baltimore. Uh, he called me up to find out how I was doing, and I said, "Where are you? I hear other people." He says, "I'm in a base medrash." He says, there's a bunch of people here. We're, we're not next to each other, but we felt that we were, we didn't, we, we felt our mental balance was, 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 was being affected and we needed to be around people and virtually didn't do it for them. So I think this is something we should be careful about. We shouldn't pick, we shouldn't cherry pick our psukim and say, well, Schechter said that you can go nuts if you're all by yourself. Uh, in that room, therefore I'm leaving it that I'm actually going to go against what the CDC and everyone else is saying. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks a lot. Hopefully we'll be here back again Thanks next Thanks for joining week. us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.